Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Hey, here's an easy question for you. Do you know what makes, no, this isn't a trick question, do you know what makes for effective communication or what uh, is, makes something easy to remember? Um, let me give you some examples. Uh, I'm going to start a phrase and you can finish it. Go big. Go no guts. No, no pain. No a moment on the lips. Forever on the hips. Yes. Yeah, that's the one. You know, we're all kind of in denial about that one. And I, I'll admit it, I am too. And though it doesn't necessarily go to my hips, it, uh, it shows up somewhere. So there you have it. So these are examples of what technology, when it works, uh, refers, we call antithesis, using an opposite to prove something else. We're going to define one thing by defining it through uh, identifying it with its opposite. So like up and down, in, out, left, right, that sort of thing. So when we talk about the phrase, go big or go home, what we're really saying is reach for the stars, be ambitious, you know, go for the gusto, or... You know, just sit on the couch and, you know, just sit on the couch. So big contrasted with home. Or no pain, no gain means that if you're going to reach a big goal, if you're going to accomplish something of note, you're going to have to expend a fair amount of energy and effort to do so. And it is entirely possible that some of that effort may not be comfortable. You know, you're going to have to stretch. You're going to have to grow and and step beyond your comfort zone. So pain contrasted to gain. No guts, no glory, of course, in the same vein, suggests that the ones we remember, the people who make history are the ones who take the risks, who innovate, who do the new thing when everyone else says, no, you shouldn't do that. You should just stay at home and play small. You know, best exemplified by that wonderful little slogan I've seen before, and I know many of you are living it, well-behaved women rarely make history. <laughs> and a moment on the lips, a lifetime's on the hips. Do we even need to have a conversation? I mean, come on, one brownie. It's not that big of a deal. So put that on pause for a moment. We'll come back to it in just a, a, a moment. So this is the fifth Sunday of Lent, the, that period of spiritual preparation for Easter. And as inspiration for this holy season, Amy and I are drawing from the work of iconoclastic and uh, just uh, awesome American theologian Howard Thurman. And in many respects, Howard Thurman himself lived that, the idea of antithesis. Because of his many remarkable, and they are many, uh, remarkable achievements in his life, he was the first black dean of a chapel at a primarily white school, and this was Boston University. And yet, his faith formation was heavily influenced by his grandmother, who had been enslaved on a plantation in Florida. He helped to establish the Church for the Fellowship of All Peoples in San Francisco, which was the first intentionally, racially, and culturally integrated church in this country, where he served as co-pastor with a white minister. 
You know, Thurman continues to be an inspiration for us, not only on account of his writings and his service to humanity, but I think because he embodied that idea of what it means to go home, go big, or go home. Because when he went to high school, there were only three high schools for black students in all of Florida. He went big. And his example inspires us all to go big. You know, I love that saying. It's like, reach for the stars, reach shoot for the moon, and if you don't make it, at least you'll be among the stars, which is kind of antithetical as well because the moon is much closer than the stars. But anyway, it's a lovely analogy. I like it. You know, it brings joy to my heart. So in this spiritual peri period of spiritual preparation for Easter, we are reminded that Easter itself is an example of that idea of antithesis. Because Easter highlights the idea of life overcoming death. You see, Easter affirms that there is a power for overcoming available to everyone. That idea is taught in both traditional Christianity and New Thought organizations such as Unity and Science of Mind. The difference is that in New Thought traditions, the, that power is thought to believe, it's thought to be within us. We teach it, Christ within, your hope of glory, or that divine spirit within each one of us, by whatever name you want to call it. Where in traditional Christianity, Christianity that power is generally considered outside the individual, and more often than not, referred to as Jesus himself. Same power, different perspective of where it is and how we might experience it. In his earthly teaching, Jesus employed the idea of antithesis to highlight his teaching of the inclusive nature of the kingdom of God. And there's one well-known of many examples that drives home the point. And this is what we refer to as the Beatitudes that are found at the beginning of chapter 5 of the book of Matthew. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, poor and kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. The tenor shifts a little bit to more cause and effect in the latter uh, portion of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Seriously. For your reward is in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And where is heaven? Is it somewhere you go after you die? Or is it a state of consciousness that you can have right here and right now? And I would grant you the answer to both those questions is yes. It's these last few lines they're almost the reason why Howard Thurman wrote his most famous book called Jesus and the Disinherited. 
So he was on a pilgrimage with American students for friendship in 1935 in Southeast Asia. And he was questioned by a Hindu man about why he was a Christian, since it was Christians who enslaved and sold Africans for hundreds of years. This is what Thurman wrote. The basic fact is that Christianity, as it was born in the mind of this Jewish teacher and thinker, appears to be a technique of survival for the disinherited and the oppressed. That it became, through the intervening years, a religion of the powerful and dominant used sometimes as an instrument of oppression must not tempt us to believing it was thus in the mind and life of Jesus. Wherever his spirit appears, the oppressed gather fresh courage. For he announced the good news that fear, hypocrisy, and hatred, the three hounds of hell that track the trail of the disinherited, have no dominion over them. Again, antithesis. Perhaps Thurman saw this faith in action expressed by his own grandmother. And perhaps she, like Jesus, could have said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. She knew about that power to overcome. He knew about that power to overcome. We know about that power to overcome. It is the truth that we all have within us. And the same could be said for all of us, couldn't it? I mean, don't you get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, Hello, God, you're looking gorgeous this morning. <laughs> you don't? Okay. Truth be told, I don't always either. But why is that? Why is that? When our theology and our belief system tells us that there is this wonderful divinity that is at the core of who each and every one of us is, how is it possible that any one of us could look at the mirror and say, oh my God, you again. What the hell's wrong with you? I've said it. You may know people who have said that. See, our theology is predicated on the omnipresent good that God is. And that this same goodness is inherently who and what we are. But as I've just indicated, it's not always 100% the reality of how we experience ourselves, is it? And if we're sincere in our self-examination, our searching and fearless moral inventories, we may recognize pockets of negativity, self-condemnation, critical attitudes towards others, Fears of all kinds. <laughs> you get the idea, don't you? And so if we want to unleash the power of life that overcomes, then we need to unbind it by releasing the heaviness and the restrictive negatives that we all have as part of our human experience. I'm not making anybody wrong or bad or guilty or shameful. It's just part of what you get when you get skin. It's part of the deal. But after all, let's remember about the value of this Lenten season and that for many of us, Lent, L-E-N-T, is a very powerful acronym for let's eliminate negative thinking. Let's, like, let's do that together 
so that we might raise the consciousness of humanity. I think Howard Thurman would agree. One of the meditations found in his book, Meditations of the Heart, is a meditation that focuses on surrendering the negatives so that the truth of one's life might be known and shown. It's a brief one, and I'll read it to you. It's simply called, Lord, Lord, come unto me. And it implies that rhetorical literary device of antithesis. It's open unto me, not come unto me. Open unto me, light for my darkness. Open unto me, courage for my fear. Open unto me, hope for my despair. Open unto me, peace for my turmoil. Open unto me, joy for my sorrow. Open unto me strength for my weakness. Open unto me wisdom for my confusion. Open unto me forgiveness for my sins. Open unto me tenderness for my toughness. Open unto me love for my hates. Open unto me thyself for myself. Lord, Lord, open unto me. As we consider the Easter experience, it is ultimately the story of transformation, the willingness to be changed at depth. That was true for Jesus, and it's true for each one of us as we open ourselves to the experience of release, renewal, and overcoming that requires that we be willing participants in our own transformation. And the more receptive we are to Spirit's guidance and inspirations, the more meaningful and graceful the process will be. So do you want to live the promise of overcoming of Easter all year long? You can, and I can. And the work of release is just that. It's work, W-O-R-K, and I don't have a silly acronym for it. It's just work. The attachments we have to our fears and our hurts and our weaknesses and our hates are often far deeper than we realize. So don't give up. You're not alone. Don't give up. Stay prayed up. And remember, no pain no guts, go big, absolutely. Peace be with you and namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.